the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be joined by Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar to break down this week's Shriners Children's Open live from TPC Summerlin in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fellas, excited to get to the third event of the FedEx Cup fall. We had a couple close misses last week, Spencer most notably with Ben Griffin, who somehow lipped out on the 72nd hole. I don't know how that happened. Luke List, of all people, made a putt to win in the playoff. And Carl Yuan dunks his approach shot on the 71st hole, bogeys the 72nd hole to avoid us what would have been a six-man playoff had he made it. Crazy week last week in Mississippi, and we're off to Las Vegas. It's a home game for you, Spencer, so I'll start it off with you. What is your best bet for the Shriners Children's Open? Yeah, I, I need the positive momentum here after what happened last week. Like, I, I don't know... I. Obviously, we've done a lot of shows together here at Action Network. I don't, that's probably the worst tournament I've ever had from start to finish. Like, my bet of the week is to fade Luke List, who wins the golf tournament against my guy in Ben Griffin, who's one of my biggest outrights, who just completely falls apart at the end uh, down the stretch there. So, you know, unfortunately, like, that's something that happens in sports betting. Obviously, you need to have a short mindset and just be able to get over things quickly. So, I'm going to go back to the drawing board here with a player that I have been fading over and over again. I just think he's a little bit too volatile for these matchup markets. I'm going to take Bo Hostler minus 118 over Lucas Herbert. Okay, you got to the window by fading Lucas Herbert as your best bet at the Fortinet Championship about a month ago. So going back to the well against him here in Las Vegas. Nick, welcome onto the show. What is your best bet for the Shriners Children's Open? What a decorated intro by Spencer there. That was uh, that that was wild. Um, just everything how that unfolded, Spencer. I, I wasn't watching Sunday Live. I was out in Vegas watching football at the uh, Venetian. We did the sports book there. Very very nice spot. Would definitely go recommend it. It's uh, a little more quiet than your usual sports book, but decent size, good time. Um, I'm gonna go to the guy we talked about um, pre going on the air. I've never got him right, but my numbers seem to like him every single week. Alex Smalley, top 20 at plus 150. Go get him, Smalley. All right, so Alex Smalley is Nick's best bet. And for me, I'm going to go Scott Stallings, plus 115 for a top 40 where ties are paid in full. Betting this one for just a half unit, but we'll get back to my reasoning on this one in just a moment. But first, Spencer, why are you fading Lucas Herbert? I mean, to be honest, Roberto, I've kind of lost my train of thought right now. Nick, out in Vegas at the Venetian, no invite. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's kind of. I texted you like earlier in the week, and then I was out there for a bachelor party, and then we we're on the crap. I had to teach like six or seven guys how to play craps, and we never left the craps table. I may have caused a problem in their lives. I think they got home and then went to their local casino, and probably are still there today. But uh, it was a good time. You know, we hit hit a couple of yo bets the first time uh, they ever threw the dice, so it, it was good. I actually left a couple dollars ahead, which is usually not the case when you go to Vegas. So uh, my head's held high. Um, so the opposite vibes of you and the Ben Griffin lip out from Sunday. So yes, I, I apologize, but maybe it kept me on a heater, I guess. So I don't 
Yeah, you couldn't have my juju rubbing off of you of whatever <laughs> happened last week. But uh, when we're looking at this Bo Hostler play against Lucas Herbert, like I understand Herbert's been trending the past few weeks with back-to-back top 30 finishes. Uh, you know, that fact, and then it's going to present this increase of likelihood that the bet goes four days. I usually want things to end as quickly as possible to avoid that boom or bust nature of what happens when a bet extends into all four rounds. But with all that being said, I still wouldn't call this a safe fit for Herbert here at this venue. Herbert ranked 102nd in my model for strokes gain total on TPC tracks, 105th for weighted par 5 scoring, 110th for sand safe percentage, and 120th for GIR percentage because of his 80th place mark here for weighted proximity. I'm going to take a player in Hostler who generated far better scoring returns throughout the board. And then, you know, grab that skill set. I, I obviously like we'll get more into this when we we talk about outright bets and things of that nature. I wanted extra exposure to Hostler this week. I, I kind of ran out of room. I thought this was a really nice way to get this exposure in from a head to head bet against a guy who look. I mean, I said the same exact thing at the Fortnet, and Herbert shot himself up the leaderboard and was nearly winning the tournament, and then all of a sudden it went downhill after that. But uh, you know, if he has that downside on Thursday or Friday, I think he misses the cut. I'm hoping over four days, he kind of presents that downturn at some point because Hostler's one of the safest players in my model. So I'm going to bet on that safety. I would not be shocked if Hostler ended up working himself up the leaderboard himself, maybe a little bit more so than he sometimes does during some of these weeks. But I just thought it was a nice spot to fade Herbert against the golfer that I really like. All right. Well, my Longhorns need to win somewhere. So hopefully we get it from Bo Hostler. Nick? Break down your best bet of the day. Alex Smalley uh, grades 11th overall for me in this field. And this is a very strong field. I'm actually excited to watch this tournament in Spencer's backyard there. Um, for me, like what got him so short in my numbers is this. I comp this course very similarly to the John Deere. So at TPC uh, Deere run there, I'd love to hear you guys thoughts on those comps. Mainly for those short iron play, I know we're we're way up in elevation too, so it's you know distance is not going to be a problem for anybody. Um, Alex Molly is becoming a very very good driver and an accurate driver of the golf ball, so I think that'll help him get in the fairway a lot. And I love what I saw from him last week in terms of like the metrics, where he really scored with the flat stick was something we don't see a lot with Alex Molly, and the iron play just wasn't there. This is you know historically a, a very very good iron player and a ball striker, and that's what this course should call for. So. Um, if he can get those irons back in play, I think 220 is a, a little bit of a missed price. I think at worst, it should probably be two to one in that top 20 market. It seems like most of the market is there, but you can get that outlier at plus 220 still. And I doubt they even move it knowing the, the book that it's at. But yeah, I, I really think this is a good course comp for Smalley. And if that flat six heating up, let's go get him. A couple things on that one, Nick. I think you're right on with the comparison to the John Deere Classic. I looking at a quick glance at the approach shot distribution for the last couple of years, at each of these courses, very similar, uh, especially with the added emphasis on hundred to 150 yards um, yep. and 75 to hundred as well. So that makes a ton of sense and makes me even more confident in one of my outright picks that we'll get to in a little bit, but getting to my best bet this week, I'm going with Scott Stallings at plus plus one fifteen for a top 40 where ties are paid in full. He's got terrible course history here. And last week, he made it to a playoff buoyed on a hot putter. And one thing that we mentioned last week on the podcast that Scott Stallings was in Luke List territory with the putter until three or four events ago. And prior to that period of time, he had missed eight of nine cuts, 
lost a ton of strokes putting and then talked with you guys about him last week. Didn't end up betting anything on him, unfortunately, but he made it to the playoff. And who else is in that playoff? Luke List, of all people. And Luke List wins the tournament on a 40-foot bomb. Scott Stallings has one of the best putting weeks of anybody at the field in the field last week. Who would have thought? I think he's still a little bit underpriced because of that shift with the putter, where a lot of his downside with the putter has been priced in. Hasn't been a great course for him historically, but he's been playing some more solid golf, made a few cuts in a row. I think he's got a great chance of getting a top 40 in this relatively weak field that doesn't have a lot of depth. And this tournament also 12 players fewer than there were last year. So a little bit smaller field helps us out just a little bit and a smaller field from last week's full field as well. So I'm going with Scott Stellings at plus 115 for a top 40. Now, before we get into our outright bets, let's break down the course at TPC Summerlin there in Spencer's backyard. Spencer, I'll give you first on the tee with your thoughts on the course. It is literally within shouting distance for me. So it's a course I know very well. Bobby Weed masterminded TPC Summerlin on this rugged desert terrain in 1991. Fuzzy Zeller served as his consultant. You get this course where you get the beautiful Las Vegas scenery. It encompasses the venue that meanders through arroyos and canyons. Generates this fun landscape for golf that does have random pitfalls looming. Look no further than the 92 bunkers and then that desert topography. However, for what you get aesthetically from a visual perspective, you do lose on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to difficulty. The last five iterations of this contest have produced a winning total between 21 and 24 under par. I talked to Jason Sobel on the gimme. He was saying that he spoke to Taylor Montgomery. The course is supposedly going to be a little bit firmer and faster this go around. I've heard this answer, like honestly, for five years now to where... I hear it's going to be more difficult and you continue to get this venue that we're reaching into this 20 plus under par range until I see something different. I don't necessarily want to necessarily trust that you obviously have some wind. If you want to look to 2017, there was a nine under par winner there Uh, that was ravaged by those gusts. It's always somewhat prevalent in Vegas. It's maybe not quite as much as uh, I see Nick with the Blackhawks there representing them. Maybe not quite as much as Chicago would be, but uh, Vegas gets some gusts. That's kind of the one thing that people don't realize about here. I don't think it's going to be. It's been very calm, cool, collected over the past couple weeks. Um, you know, I've noticed on many podcasts here at Action, these birdie shootouts can sometimes provide a headache for us numerically when we try to assemble our research for the week. I will say the one thing that I did like about this track is that despite it being one of the most accessible stops players do get all season, the scoring dispersion marks for putting do tend to be at or below the PGA Tour expectation level. I ended up weighing a decent amount of how someone produces when given this slow plotting tempo. If it's a little bit quicker then maybe I might need to adjust my model on Thursday if we see quicker greens than what I modeled for, but I think golfers who can take advantage of their tee to green game should have an advantage over the field. Nick talked about this. With this being desert golf, the ball's going to travel for everybody. Uh, You get a 13-yard increase in expected total or driving distance. I I think the driver finding the fairway is actually more important here than it is on a lot of weeks. Um, I have a total driving stat inside of my model. It was weighed more towards accuracy than distance, and uh, that's an interesting return for a course that does have that increase for distance. Nick, anything else you'd like to add on from your analysis of TPC Summerlin? No, not really at all. I'm uh, I'm happy to hear that Spencer kind of weighted a little more towards accuracy than distance, as did I. I think that elevation kind of 
levels the playing field a little bit, but still, you know, longer drivers of the golf ball are going to be even longer now. So yeah, for me, it's, I want just excellent ball strikers and guys that can really control those short irons. And that's what kind of led me to, uh, to Smalley and a couple other guys we'll talk about here in a minute. Somewhat similar to last week where there was uh, another emphasis on a hundred to 150 yards on approach. So maybe we'll see a bit of a similar leaderboard last week, very pure Bermuda grass greens this week, bent grass, which is always very pure. So looking forward to seeing how low these guys can go this week. And let's figure out whom we bet on to go the lowest. Spencer, get us started with your outright card, please. So some of these numbers I got early on Monday, they've moved ever so slightly in spots. Um, I think where everybody's at right now, I, I don't think there's been a movement. Obviously, you'd have to adjust your exposure a little bit with the units. I don't think anybody's moved so much so that they've been taken out of the value range for me. I actually thought this was a good outright betting card. Uh, a lot of value in a, a lot of different spots that we're looking here. I started with JT Poston at 35 to 1. The output in my model for Poston was extremely boomer bust. The statistical data loved him inside my sheet. We saw that with Poston ranking first for strokes gain total on TPC courses over the last year. First in strokes gain total over the past 24 rounds of all golf played. He was also first in strokes gain on easy scoring venues with soft greens and strokes gained on bent grass surfaces. Uh, the course history does have a mixed bag of expectations because of the lack of consistency. He's missed four of seven cuts since 2016 at this venue while only producing one finish better than 20th place. I think it's been confusing as to why he's lost strokes off the tee in six of those seven starts when his accuracy should play well at TPC Summerlin. But one time he didn't lose, I do want to note that, he ended up in fourth place in 2017. So it's not as if there isn't an upside present at this venue if he can continue the scorching pace that he's produced of seven consecutive made cuts that has seen six of those finishes land inside the top 25 since the John Deere Classic. I'm going to bet on the 59th spot expected improvement in weighted proximity that he receives here. And then just hope that that driver can be good enough to propel him up this leaderboard. I took Adam Schenk at 40 to one. That's also moved, unfortunately, more into 30 run range. I, I think Schenk is a sub 30 to one golfer in this field. I, I like if we want to talk about Poston for all his recent high end results. Schenk has been very similar in many of those areas. Four top seven finishes in the last seven starts. Uh, that should show that he's very close to victory. And then it won't hurt matters that he's generated five top 27 finishes at this venue in six years. I think he's flirting with his first win. As I said, my model had him sub 30 to one. He was one of the better values in my model I had when he was at 40. Don't think it's quite as good now with this number moving. Be sure to shop around. But I think this is a nice course fit for Adam Shank. Took Eric Cole at 40 to one. You know, Roberto, you and I specifically, we have talked a lot about Cole over the past few months. There is this massive difference in my model when he's sub 30 to one and when he eclipses 30 to one. There may be, and I think that we're starting to see it ever so slightly, this lack of weekly upside because of his driving totals. It's hard to win a tournament when you rank outside the top 110 of 186 qualifying players on tour in both distance and accuracy. That's not necessarily a good thing, but I'm going to bet on the robust numbers inside of my sheet in other areas that place him first in this field for weighted strokes gain total. That was an extremely intriguing return since it still accounted for nearly 15% of that total driving total that graded him 80th this week in the field. Took Adam Hadwin at 50 to 1. Um, I'm concerned with Hadwin's ownership when we look at DFS contests. Obviously, you see here three top 10 finishes at this tournament over the last four years. I'm still determining how much I love playing him in that area since he's lost negative 3.24 shots per start on average tee to green over his past five tournaments. That's a negative. 
I just think in the outright market, I'm always going to take a swing on the upside data for a golfer when they find themselves posting a two-year running total that landed sixth in weighted strokes gain total and 10th in weighted scoring. Took Sam Ryder at 90 to 1. Uh, that moved almost immediately. I tweeted that out that there was a rogue number in the space. It dropped into the 60s uh, very quickly after that. This is a golfer who's had a crazy shift in data here the past couple months. The irons were not what they are now. Now all of a sudden he's one of the best iron players in the world. The putter was one of the best putters in the world. He's gone south in that area. I'm just going to hope that what we have seen with the iron play of him landing between 4.2 and 6.4 shots uh, with his irons in six straight start or five of his last six starts with those numbers. I think that's a really nice potential here for him to make a run up the leaderboard, especially when you look at these slower bent grass surfaces that did see him get an 89 spot improvement inside of my model if we just compare that to his last 24 rounds. So maybe the surface change can be really good for him there. And then I wrapped up everything with Chad Ramey at 125, the one I'll talk about him a little bit more as this show goes on in a different market. Anytime you get into this territory, I kind of always think that these are better placement bets. We can have a discussion how this is maybe not the greatest placement board any of us have ever seen before. I do have a bet on Ramey that I'll get to in a little bit, but uh, really steady numbers in my model. There were only eight or nine players that graded inside the top 50 for me in every single category that I ran. He was one of them. You have the back-to-back -to -back top 28 finishes at this course, the consecutive top 19 finishes to start the fall season. I think there's a lot of good data trending for him here. So I couldn't ignore the number. I don't know if he necessarily wins here, uh, but at the price, I'm kind of willing to take a shot on it. I think we're going to have a lot of overlap when I share my outrights in a few moments, but I'll give Nick a chance to react to your card and share his outright picks first. I love it. I love every one of them. I was very close to getting a JT post in, but if I, I, I obviously bet Alex Molly in the outright market at, as well at 50 to one, I believe is the best number out there. But if I took um, to, to do JT post and I didn't have room for one of my favorite outright bets, uh, not really a sexy guy or anything in terms of like his golf game, but Andrew Putnam at 40 to one, Andrew Putnam graded extremely well. And honestly, the three guys I'm going to mention here, like are literally carbon copies of JT Poston without, you know, maybe not as elite ball striking numbers as Poston kind of closed the, uh, the normal PGA tour swing of 2023. But Andrew Putnam had four top tens, three of those in very good con or uh, very good tournaments this year in strong field. So I'm all for it. He's one of the best short iron players in the field, according to my numbers. So Andrew Putnam at 40 to one, a fairway finder. Uh, then I've got Nick Taylor at 70 to one, kind of a mixed bag with him. He's kind of like lights out or he's just out. So uh, I'm glad I got 70 to one. I had him priced at 60 to one. So I got 10 points of value on Nick Taylor, but very similar to what I saw in Putnam, the short irons are there. He's going to be a fairway finder, which Spencer and I seem to value a lot this week. And then the last play for me, I love this guy. I always seem to play him in DFS. I don't ever get him right either, but I love the form for Mark Hubbard. It seems to be like a, another, you know, poor man's JT Poston in terms of like his game makeup and everything like that. Looked great last week. Good to start the fall swing. So I'm riding guys in good form that are striking the ball extremely well. And that price, I believe, was 55 to 1, and that is still out there. So um, recap here of Alex Molly 50, Nick Taylor, 70, Mark Hubbard, 55, and Andrew Putnam, 40. So if I did take post, I would have had to take Smalley off the card there. So I decided just to ride my boy Smalley, and maybe we could make a move on JT Live if, or something like that. But we'll see. 
All right, I've got a card with a lot of guys from both of your of your outright picks. So starting off with JT Poston, Spencer hit the nail on the head with Poston ranking first in his model for several key different categories. But a couple other things to keep in mind: he's 39th in the FedEx Cup standings, which means he doesn't have to play a single event in the fall. Nothing will affect his status for next year. So this stands out as a spot for me where JT Poston knows he's there to win, and anything else isn't really going to move the needle for him this week. And he's a streaky player. So we're paying a premium to get him at this number at 30 to one, but I'm willing to pay for it while he is riding the wave. And then I also bet Mark Hubbard didn't bet him last week. I bet him basically in every other Potter's kind of track over the <laughs> summer. So of course the one that I missed was the one that he almost won. And he was playing the best out of anybody for about 13, 14 holes on Sunday Looked like nobody wanted to win that golf tournament. Everybody was thrown in reverse, and he was 6-7 under par. And then he three-putted from 15 feet on one of the last couple holes and just absolutely threw it away, kept missing 10-footers for birdie. I think that experience will do him will serve him well going forward. And at 55-1, to I'll take a chance on him as just one of the guys who is elite in this field on approach. I also bet SH Kim at 75-1, to more of an upside play. His putter's hot, and... At the Fortinet, where he finished second, he showed that he has the all-around game to contend. I think this is just a number play. Uh, Sam Ryder, 75-1, to bet on him last week outright. Also had him first-round leader. And through through 15 holes, he was 7-under par, tied with someone else who was already at 7-under from the the morning wave. And Ryder was a minus number to be the first-round leader. And, of course, he bogeyed two of his next three holes to finish at 5-under and... Uh, I believe Henrik Norlander ended up at eight under for the first round lead. So no money from Sam Ryder, even though we got pretty close last week, but I'm willing to be hurt again. Spencer, you mentioned his approach play being stellar, and he's also second in your model in strokes game putting as far as slope and or soft bent grass grows. So love Sam Ryder's upside. I'll keep riding with him. And then Akshay Batia, this one, a play on his off the tee and approach play, being able to spike. The question is, can he putt? Well, Luke List won last week, so crazier things have happened. I'll bet Batia at 90 to 1. Eric Van Royen, a guy whose approach game is really trending, was really down in the dumps, but now it seems that he's figured it out. Uh, one thing he hasn't figured out is his short game. He's lost strokes on around the green play basically every tournament the whole year. Uh, he's got a high ceiling, and I think his game is trending around, so I want to bet him in upside markets. So Maybe a top five, top 10 might be the better way of going about this. But at 100 to one in this field, I will sprinkle him at 100 to one. And then finally, for the pod, I have placed a wager on Webb Simpson, 120 to one. Gain strokes on approach in 10 straight Shriners. Uh, win here in 2013, seven top 20s. I think he's gotten longer over the offseason, been working on some speed training. And second in this field within 100 yards. And I still trust his wedges overall. So give me Webb in Las Vegas, where I know. He's not going to get into any trouble for us. Um, Roberto, just very quickly on that. This is what people are not taking into account right now. This is like a home game for Webb Simpson if I go out to the golf course. The support he is going to have, like whatever you – if you're running a model file a restraining you, order. <laughs> well, I, I might have to get past the restraining order that is against me right now for him. But uh, if he sees the support and he's playing well early – it's going to move up the leaderboard now. If the opposite and he starts playing poorly, I might be escorted off the property. But, uh, I mean, I you have to love Webb in Vegas with me at the golf tournament. 
Oh, that's great. I mean, he is a great short iron player, and if he's getting longer, I mean, he couldn't get shorter. That's pretty tough to do, but it's not a bad, <laughs> not a bad number. I love that you uh that you're on EVR. I looked at him for a while. That's a guy. I feel like, like he had a lot of hype a couple of years ago. Maybe it was just because he was like the early adapter of joggers on the golf course, and now a lot of people do it. But like <laughs> EVR's got game. We know it, and I love to see those numbers. He's a great driver of the golf ball. It's not always going where he wants it to, but he can pound it, and it's starting to. Just the ball striking in general is certainly taken up. I looked at him for a while, and then again with posting, you know, the John Deere winner. So I love that you guys are both on that. That's kind of what led me to posting to begin with, but ended up elsewhere. But yeah, I, I don't hate the number on web. I feel like you two always find a way to get me to look twice at him. But the, I mean, he was so bad last week. It's I think that's just who he is. I think. Well, my best bet at the Fortinet was in a matchup against Webb. So he's already cashed for me. If he cashed for me again, we're set for, on Webb for a while. <laughs> I love that you say he's um, not going to get in any trouble. There's no way Webb just, you know, he's not going to Hakkasan and having a wild night at, in Vegas. So he should be well rested <laughs> and ready to go. I've got a couple other random notes. Uh, Sam Ryder, Spencer, you mentioned his approach play has surged and his putting has kind of been a little bit stagnant and was left a lot uh, out there on, well, on Thursday, it was just a roller coaster round. I don't think he made a par between the sixth and 17th holes. It was a roller coaster. But anyways, he's gained strokes putting here five consecutive seasons. So that gives me a little bit of confidence. Um, also, Adam Shank playing in his first time since the Tour Championship. I actually got to call the Tour Championship for PJ Tour Live. And on Sunday, uh, on over the weekend, on Saturday, we saw him putting with um, one of the putters that Ricky Fowler and... Um, and Ricky Fowler and everybody Wyndham, else Wyndham Clark. The Jailbird, Clark. yes. Wyndham Clark yeah. is exactly who I was thinking of. Uh, the Versa Jailbird. And then he moved to a different putter the next day, his putter that he's traditionally had, a different Odyssey putter. And we realized that on the first hole, he was in our feature group. And I wanted to confirm that it was a different putter. We found it. It was. Got that out to the people right before he hit his putt. Nails a 40-footer on the first hole. Knocks in another 20-footer on like the second hole. And then I think he holed out from 120 yards on the third hole. So Adam Shank. Rolls in here with momentum, had a crazy round. I think he cashed his biggest check ever at the Tour Championship because he's never won on the PGA Tour, but that top 10 in the Tour Championship helped him out a lot. Shout out to him. I think he's a new father. Um, so looking at looking forward to seeing how he does this week. Uh, wanted to welcome back Siwoo Kim, who won at the Asian Games. We mentioned this last week with, with Sung J.M. He now doesn't have to do the two-year mandatory military service for South Koreans. I think it's just a two-month version now. And then Nick Taylor. Nick, you mentioned him. I think I'm going to have to add him to the card. I got a big card anyways, but Nick Taylor's upside has, I think that his um, performance at the Phoenix Open, where he gained 4.33 shots per round, is the best mark of anybody for a full tournament in this field this year. And the crazy thing is that Nick Taylor didn't even win that tournament because Scotty Scheffler knew how to putt that week. So... Uh, Nick Taylor should have won that week. He didn't want, came back, won the Canadian open where he was a stroke worse per round almost, and still got that done. I think he's got really high upside and we've seen him win on similar kind of short golf courses like Pebble beach. So really like Nick Taylor and him being at 70 to one is just a misprice. He sure. He's not as consistent as a lot of other guys who are in the 30, 40 to one range, but the upside is there for him. And if he plays his best, he can win this week. So I like Nick Taylor and I'm adding him. Guys, 
I think we've talked enough about our outrights. Let's get into the rest of our card. I know that we weren't super enthusiastic about what's out there right now, but Spencer, I'll let you take the floor. And what are your remaining placement bets, matchups, etc.? Real quick, what are you guys' thoughts on the local hero, Taylor Montgomery? I know his, his irons are not good, but for the proximity, he is one of the best short iron players on tour in terms of proximity. And obviously the driver, he sprays it like crazy, but I don't know. I, with his putter, I mean, he finished top, tied for 15th here last year. Actually hit fairways. One of the few rounds on tour he hit fairways, or a few tournaments he hit fairways was at the Shriner. So I don't know if this is just because it's, you know, of course he's probably played 100 times. Any thoughts on Taylor Montgomery? Because a guy that can roll the rock like that, like we saw with Luke List, with how good he rolled the rock just all week long, I feel like he certainly has the upside to win a tournament, especially, and, and he's pretty long too. So, you know, he's going to get a lot of wedges in his hands all day long. He just needs to, you know, put the ball in play and not spray it off the tee. But I think the comfort of this course, how much he's probably played it, likely fits his eye. Again, one sample size of last year's tournament, but he is a, a biggest native, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's very similar to the Adam Hadwin answer that I would give to where yeah. the upside totals look really good. And if you're going to play him, you need to bet him in like any of those up, like to win the golf tournament, to come top 10. I think when you start playing him for safety, there's obviously too much risk for all the reasons that you just talked about of the game being like not there right now. But uh, if he did have form, like if I just gave him average form entering this contest compared to the rest of the field he'd be inside the top 20 of my models. So, I mean, that's always something worth noting for a course that he obviously has experience on from playing at UNLV and, and living here. And, and it's it's a good spot for him if he can turn it around. I don't know if he can, but I think if you want to throw a dart for an outrider for a top 10, like there's a lot worse ways than you can do it than Taylor Montgomery. Yeah, that's what I figured. It's one of those like reach markets that um, Roberto was talking about with like ABR and whatnot. Yeah. Agree on the upside play for Montgomery. I really wanted to find a way to back him, but the approach numbers are just so concerning that I, I couldn't get there. Uh, maybe in a big DFS pool, he's your guy. There we go. Yeah. All right. So getting into the placement markets, matchups, and any other types of bets you found value on. Uh, Spencer, we'll start off with you. So I am going to play Andrew Putnam for 39th or better. That is over on bet three, six, five, kind of for all the reasons that Nick talked about. I couldn't get there with him. Couldn't get there with my next player in the outright market of both Bo Hostler. That's also going to be 39th or better, but that's kind of my mentality this week is try to find some of these guys that I do want exposure to and get them in different iterations of the market. So uh, Putnam, Hostler, 39th or better, minus 120 over on Bet365. Took Chad Ramey for a top 20 at plus 320. You can find better if you can find a book where ties don't pay in full, but it goes back to the back-to-back top 28 finishes at this course. I think that's going to play nicely into his consecutive top 19 finishes to start the season. Um, you know, I, I obviously, like, you're going to have to pick and choose your spots with some of these players, but I thought over 3-1, to one, like, we can kind of have the discussion that these placement markets this week are very I'm trying to think of a kind word to give here. I, there's a lot they're of squeezed. Up, they're very, they squeezed. they're very squeezed. Uh, they're squeezed to the max. And uh, Nick and I were even talking about this before we came on air. I would think a volatile tournament where the scores get into 20 under par books could let their foot off the gas a little bit and give us a little bit more wiggle room. But 
I guess it's one of those spots where there's difficulty of if they don't know where to price. And this is across the entire market. This is at any single book that you can look at. It's kind of squeezed throughout everywhere, but don't want a ton of exposure there. I'm just going to take that one shot on Raimi because my model had him a little bit higher than uh, what that number was. And then, I mean, we're not a first round leader show. I, I understand that. Like we're trying to give long-term equity bets here that actually are going to be sustainable. I'm going to give two first round leader bets that I actually really like this week. And it's very abnormal for me to do this. I'm going to take Andrew Putnam at 55 to one and JT Poston at 45 to one. I do think there's an advantage here, specifically if Jason Sobel ends up being correct, that they try to make this a little bit quicker of a surface, like just naturally the morning waves are going to be where you want to go for a first round leader bet. You get softer conditions, but if they are making a concerted effort to make this quicker and not so soft, I think it makes even more of an advantage now to the morning wave because they're going to get the softest of the conditions. So if we can cut this in half, at least in my mind to where now we're only dealing with about 65 players and you know, there are some ebbs and flows of these numbers where I think, you know, some of them, uh, some of these players are just egregiously mispriced where their number is way too shallow. Thought these were two really good numbers to kind of throw darts at here in Poston and Putnam. And you'd think that the win would pick up in the afternoon too. That too. I like both of those guys. And I've got a first round leader article coming tomorrow on the Action Network. So maybe we'll have some overlap between those. Uh, I already have a ticket on Poston. So uh, I like those first round leaders are, there's nothing like it. It's electric. Uh, if you hit on one, there's no better feeling in golf, even an outright in my opinion. But Nick, any other bets for you for the Shriners this week? That is it. All right. That's it for me too. So a reminder that Links and Locks is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. They believe that every sport should be epic. Every touchdown, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION. That's A-C-T-I-O-N. And you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Must be 21 or older. Must be present in Colorado, Kentucky, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in, in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, guys. One last question before we head to rapid fire, an abbreviated rapid fire. Lexi Thompson, LPGA Tour player, is in the field this week. Any thoughts on her? Uh, she is currently plus 1,200 to make the cut, minus 2,500 to miss the cut. Any thoughts? Anything you're going to bet on her, or should we keep it moving? I couldn't pull much data for Yeah, I have no data on her. Um... I think it's great to grow the game to have her in yeah, this golf I tournament. I, I think that beyond anything else, no matter if she succeeds and, and I think she's already succeeded by just entering the tournament, but I'm talking about success of like making the cut, whether she makes the cut or she doesn't make the cut here. This is a win in really any way that you want to run this. It, it's, it's good for the game of golf. It's good for young girls out there watching young children in general that are, are watching this. And, and it's an exciting thing. Like, she deserves to be in it and we should have more of these opportunities. Like if we're going to throw, you know, I, I don't want to just throw random names out there, but there's, there's a lot of players who get these invites that maybe don't necessarily belong. She's going to bring eyes to this tournament. Like mm -hmm. she's going to generate traffic. People are going to come out specifically to watch her play. It's going to be well worth the money uh, for her being in this event. So 
uh, I mean, kudos to the sponsors and to the Shriners and for everybody involved with that. Yeah, I, I think it'd be awesome soon in golf uh, whenever they can can get around to it. But like playing a like a big prize pool tournament and get, you know, a lot of the stars in the LPGA and the PGA Tour live, whatever, and play some alternate shot. I think that would be the, mm-hmm. like give me odds on like something like that, a grouping like that to where we'll we'll pay a subscription somewhere to get some LPGA data at that point where it's like an actual even even betting field. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Well, I do know that in Tiger Woods's new golf league, the TGR, I believe that's going to be part of the program where they have players from the LPGA tour, the PGA tour uh, playing together. So intrigued to see how that looks uh, when it comes to ESPN, the ESPN family of networks, uh, I believe in early 2024. And who knows, maybe we'll see some more odds for Lexi Thompson on Wednesday uh, there are no like over unders in as far as her finishing position or first or second round score. So maybe we'll see something with value. And of course, be sure to follow everybody here on Twitter or X um, to see if we make any moves there. All right, going to our rapid fire segment, fellas. Let's start at the top. We haven't talked about these guys very much today. If you had to place an outright ticket on Bet Three Six Five at twelve to one on either Ludwig. Aubert or Tom Kim, who would you take, Spencer? I, I'm probably against the grain on this answer from what I think most people would would give the answer to. I, I'm not fading Aubert. I, I want to make that clear. Um, generational driver of the ball, the short game, the, the proximity numbers are improving from everything is brilliant. Played a lot of golf, the Ryder Cup traveling over. I know he talked in an interview last week at the Sanderson that kind of running on fumes a little bit almost wins the golf tournament which is just incredible because i did not think he looked his level of good during that event i'm gonna take tom kim um there's very small minor differences there but i i do think this is a really nice course fit for tom kim i'm gonna go the heart says tom kim the data says tom kim for me obviously longer sample size on him does uh does loving party at all like is how how is he gonna do in vegas i feel like you know he's kind of that so you, he's yeah, older than Tom Kim, surprisingly. But Tom Kim, last year, he was 20 when he won this tournament. Now he's 21. Does that does that change things? He's already a winner. He hasn't I played as know. a winner before on the PGA Tour defending his title because he won the Travelers, but he had that ankle injury that he couldn't play this year. So first-time title defense for Tom Kim. Tom Kim wears that rock tape sometimes or, you know, that, that physical therapy tape. That, to me, seems like he's got a guy that's not going to go out and drink a ton of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Ludwig went to Texas Tech, you know, like they drink down there. I, f- I feel like he's more more likely to uh, to party than Tom Kim is. It's nothing against physical therapy tape or physio tape, whatever you call it. But, you know, like if I had to bet on it, Ludwig and he's European, those guys, you know, they pound beer and over there they smoke cigarettes, too. So uh, Ludwig's probably just got partying. I'm going on a rant here. That's off. off the <laughs> but yeah, give me Tom Kim. Long answer long. Sorry. I, I take O'Bear, but I don't want to fade Tom Kim. Uh, considering that this course looks tailor-made for him. And I don't believe he made a single bogey on this golf course the entire tournament last year when he won. So Tom Kim, a lot of respect, but I'm going to have to go O'Bear. Moving on to Siwoo Kim and Cameron Davis, the only two guys priced between 12 and 32 to 1 on Bet365 in the enhanced win market. Who would you rather have, Davis or Siwoo Kim? Spencer? Very, very very close for me um i I guess i'll take siwoo i mean he 
we've talked about now the freedom that he's going to be able to play with that he doesn't have to be thinking about things in the future. Um, of course, history looks good. The statistical data, how I ran it looks good. But I mean, we're talking about two top 10 players. Like it, it's comparing apples to oranges here. Like I, if you like one thing more than the other, that's kind of where I would go. I, I think it's very close. As much as I love Siwoo, he is like one of Spencer and I's guys. I think you too, Roberto. We we always kind of get on the Siwoo hype train. I'm going to go with Cameron Davis here. He was just so damn good driving the golf ball last year. The short iron proximity is our elite, and I think this is a course where we don't need to look into putting as much, which obviously would help Siwoo a little bit, but just give me the nod on Cameron Davis's putter. I think these guys might. These guys are super consistent. The issue for me with Siwoo is obviously the putter. I don't like yep. that he's not good at putting. I don't like that how he does it with the broomstick, but my choice is still Siwoo. I love him that much. All right, moving on. Uh, Going to try to find some guys we haven't talked about much. JJ Spawn is priced at 32 to 1. Tom Hoagie's 35 to 1. And Vincent Norman, 38 to 1 outright at bet 365. If you had to take an outright on one of those three guys, which one would you rather have, Spencer? Probably Spawn for me. He he leads the field with 22 consecutive rounds of shooting par or better. Um, been very good here. Multiple finishes inside the top 15. If you look at that 2017 tournament from him, him and Hostler shared the co-lead entering Sunday. Uh, that's the, the event that the wins ravaged everything. They had a three-shot lead on Tony Finau, a four-shot lead on Patrick Cantlay. Uh, one, I think, uh, Spawn shot a 74. Hostler shot a 73. Patrick Cantlay propels himself up the leaderboard and wins the event. But, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about Hostler and Putnam being the two guys that were the closest to miss my outright card, which would be the two closest. If you want to add a third name that was kind of fringe for me that couldn't really figure out how I wanted to get exposure to him, but I do like him this week, it would be JJ Spawn. All very valid points. I like that. Sp or Nick, what about you among those three? I'm going with Norman. My numbers absolutely loved him. Where it's just kind of right on market, though. I mean, he is an excellent ball striker, excellent, probably one of the best drivers in the field of the golf ball. And then the uh, the bent grass putting. He gets a spike when he goes to bent grass from the data that I pulled, and he hasn't missed a cut since June. I think with all the love for Obear right now, you know, um, Vincent Norman's won two tournaments since July. Uh, one being on the European Tour, the Irish Open, actually. So good to see him there and. I just think this guy is no one's talking about him because it's all about Ludwig. I think he's one of the, you know, arguably the one B to Ludwig on the one A in terms of Swedish golfer. So I'm going to go with Vincent Norman. I think this is a great property for him. And I was talking to you guys, you know, off air that it's weird that the, the U.S. betting market absolutely loves him, but offshore does not, which is usually would be the other way around for the Euros. So um, I don't know if the, the European people that know him more than we do, like, They'll like something about him here, but I feel like it's a great course comp, and I would certainly take him to win the tournament uh, over a guy like JJ Spawn. I think is perfect for like a DFS cash game. He's probably one of the safer players in the field, and I'm sure ownership trends will reflect that. But if we're going for pure upside here, give me Vincent Norman. The guy's won two tournaments already since July. I would have to go Ho Hoagie or Vin or Vincent Norman. We bet Nick, you and I bet Hoagie last week in yeah, a lesser field. Terrible round one. Terrible round one. one. And now he's 35 in a tougher field. So I, I think we were validated and we made a good bet. And yep. he couldn't putt last week. So Lost Strokes putting did what we, what we thought he would do on approach. 
just doesn't work out. And unfortunately, putting is involved in golf. So um, I think Vincent Norman has the highest upside among these guys, but I think Tom Hoagie really fits this track. Uh, I'd probably go Norman, but I chose JT Post on my card over including these two players. So uh, I really like both of them. I, I just right. I want to get clarification really fast before we move on past this topic. Nick, did I hear this correctly? Vincent Norman, the second best Swede, the, the one B. Give me the one B. I'm going to say a tie for, for well, currently, who who's better than Ludwig? Well, not better than, well, I mean, maybe Alex Norin, but I mean, that's where I'm oh, going with yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> Norin was one C. They're all, you know, it's, it's apples, oranges, and grapes comparing them all. So there you go. Uh, but no, I, I love Norman. I think the upside's there and no one talks about him. So he's got a lot less pressure than Ludwig does. And there you go. My model also liked him. Um, See, the problem is, as I, I don't know which Swedish player I would want to go with, but I looked at that market because I was trying to figure out a way if there, if I could take on Obear. You were, trying, I don't you were know. just trying to get Norn action. Well, we maybe that's that. what it ended up being. <laughs> I kind of like, like, there's a top Nordic market on, uh, on, on a book out there where I think Obear is plus one forty. Norman was plus three thirty. Hoygaard plus 360, Norin plus 650. Didn't really have value on any of those numbers. Um, decided to pass on that, but that's I, I did look at it out of curiosity. Hoygaard is getting a lot of love. Yeah, I, I kind of liked them also this week. Would you rather have a ticket on Hoygaard or Davis Thompson at 51? Hoygaard. Probably, probably Hoygaard. Um, do think, like I said last week, though, with Davis Thompson, this is another good course fit for him. Anytime you can get him at these easy scoring venues, uh, we've seen what he can do potentially at a TPC property in the past. I don't know. I mean, like the problem is, Roberto, with a lot of these questions, and I guess that's like you're asking the right questions here with it. Uh, pretty much every name that you've talked about on any of these this or that questions, there, there's not been one player that I am just egregiously out on this weekend. And maybe that's why sports books in general are being very cautious with how much they're squeezing things because there's such small differences between a lot of these players. Well, hopefully that means we get another five way playoff this week with exclusively our guys this time. Yeah. Of course. Uh, fellas, where else can we find your work this week? Starting with you, Spencer. You can find me over on Twitter or X at T off sports. I will have my Wednesday round one matchup. Uh, if you want to take a look at my model, you can find that over at Rotoballer. You can get all the data. You can weigh the model yourself when you make a copy. And then I believe Nick and I will be back in action this week for better golf pod. All right, Nick, where else can the people find you this week? You can find me on the couch tonight watching the debut of the greatest athlete in Chicago sports history, Connor Bedard, uh, going against Pittsburgh Penguins. I did take the plus 205 there. Probably throwing away money, though. This team is not going to be good for uh, you know a couple of years. But we do have the Michael Jordan on ice and Connor Bedard. City's pumped about that. You can find me on Twitter at StixPicks, S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S. And yes, Better Golf Pod on Twitter as well. Spencer and I will be back. I think this is a really fun field. Like the, all the guys we just talked about, like all of them have a great chance of winning. It's tough to, to take a stand on any of the questions you had today, Roberto. So I do love that. And then all the football work as usual at Win Daily Sports. Awesome. Should be another fantastic weekend in the fall. And who would have thought that last week during the NFL's witching hour, the Sanderson Farms was actually more compelling content uh, for the majority of that time. So 
stay tuned for the golf. It should be a ton of fun this week. You can find me on Twitter at Roberto A213. I'll also have my first round leader article on the Action Network app and website tomorrow. So be sure to check that out as well. I want to give a big thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our executive producer, Matt Mitchell, and our producer, Noah Niederhofer. And thanks for everyone for tuning in to our Shriners Children's Open tournament preview. And here's to hoping you hit the green out there in Spencer's backyard in Las Vegas, Nevada. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.